We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast DJ Uglum, hit it. Uglum. And on it goes. Strangers are dancing. Up and down the boulevard, there's shadows. Streetlights and people, everybody. Russ, why did you start this so like far in the beginning? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, go ahead and cut it, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. It is January 3rd. 2023. Uh, it's about 6.30 here local time as we sit here and record, and I'm in the central time zone. 
waiting on a big Monday night football game. But before we get to that one tonight, we are going to talk the Packers absolutely routing the Minnesota Vikings. Fraud watch, as Peter Bukowski from Locked On called it this morning. Just a lovely destruction of a Vikings team that had a lot to say. Uh, The Packers admittedly had some things to say leading into this week as well, but they usually have a lot to say. Um, And then had a lot to say after the game, which we will get to as well. I am Jacob Westendorf. I'm your host, and I will not stop believing as now the Packers are in a situation where it is win and in. DJ Uglum, better known as Ross Uglum, a singer in a smoky room is his name as we sit here on a recording studio here. Ross, welcome to the show. Are we going to stop believing? Uh, boy, I, I would say if we're going to stop believing there's some episodes of this show that need to get deleted, <laughs> to be honest. Oh, <laughs> man. I'm telling you, if when the, whenever the Packers season ends, if it doesn't end in a Super Bowl title, that'll be like our fifth eulogy that we've oh, given. We might get season. aggregated. Uh, remember when Rodgers was like, yeah, not a lot of people in the locker room, and especially not a lot of you, and he sort of pointed at the camera. He was actually pointing at the three of us. That sounds about right. Hey, welcome 12. And like I said, I remember last week on Christmas when he was playing uh, against Miami, there was a, uh, he didn't have the greatest start. And I tweeted something along the lines of like, you know, ball placement, decision-making like Rogers isn't off to the greatest start. And then he hits Lazard on that moon ball down the left sideline. I was like, I appreciate the middle finger there, Aaron. I really, I really do. And I appreciate the middle finger from this entire Packers team uh, that we had proclaimed dead. They had lost seven of eight. They were four and eight going into a game against Chicago where we were all kind of like, eh, well, you know, it's Chicago. So like the Packers always beat the bears. What does it really matter when it was, it was a matter of when, not if they were going to be eliminated. Now there is a little bit of a caveat. If you guys want, I just want to make mention of it. Yes, there is a seventh team in the playoffs this year, which makes it a little bit more watered down, if you will. But those are the rules that they've played by. Those are the rules that they've had. For the last couple of years, uh, seven seed has not won a playoff game as of yet, but the Packers are playing now for a chance to get that number seven seed. And I want to kick now to the birthday boy who got a very nice early birthday present from those Packers yesterday. Morley, which of the gifts that the, the Vikings gave you yesterday was your favorite one? They had four turnovers. They gave up a kick return for a touchdown. They kicked a field goal on the three yard line. Like which of those gifts was your favorite one? Oh, it's so many to choose from, but my, I think my my favorite one, and I tweeted it today. What is kind of going like unnoticed is how incredibly stupid it was of the situational mastermind Vikings to run a play before the two minute warning at the end of the first half. If you can remember back to that, there's like there was like 23 seconds on the play clock. Clock is running two. It's like two minutes and 18 seconds, something like that. They don't need to run a play. And they've got two timeouts left. The clock is not an issue. Not an issue. In fact, situationally, you should realize that Aaron Rodgers is on the other sideline. And you want to leave that man no time on the clock. But what do they do? They, they snap the ball. They run a play. And Quay Walker absolutely puts Dalvin Cook's you-know-what in the dirt. And he doesn't catch the ball. So that stops the clock. And now they got to run a play again, and it's third down. And they ha- and they, they're they still not at the two-minute warning. Um, they went on to get the first down and, and so on and so forth. But 
that left the, that left the Packers just enough time for old Mason Crosby to give us the immaculate gift that was that 56-yard field goal that doinked and went in. And if anyone knows about doinks, it is the Minnesota Vikings. Our doinks go through the goalpost. There's double doink and and go out of bounds like their playoff chances. Um, so that was my favorite gift, and it's just it was it was cool. Uh, I know that that field goal in the grand scheme of things didn't really matter that much, but it felt huge at the time, and it just was awesome to see Mason, old man, you know, Silver Fox out there hitting the longest field goal in Lambeau Field history at the ripe old age of what is he 41 is he in his 40s sure. no he's not in he's his 40s be. i think he's, he's th- old think he's, he's 36 he's, old. he's really gray i think but yes yeah, that is he was man. so kudos Great to the vikings man. for for doing that um there's there's a lot to to go into throughout the course of this game this is going to be a little bit more of a of a celebration uh show obviously we've been um understandably negative a lot of times on the show this year. And the, the counter argument that I've made to everybody when they say you're too negative was what is there to be positive about when the team is four and eight, they're not four and eight anymore. They're eight and eight. Now uh, they have a chance now where they there. It's very simple. Packers playoff scenarios. There's no more help needed. It's when a Sunday night game and the game was flexed to Sunday night football today, when and you're in, and that's all green Bay has to do is beat a Detroit lions team that is having a good season. Uh, admittedly, and they are a good team. This isn't the same old Lions, so to speak. But it's hard not to feel confident with the way the Packers are are playing right now. Um, and, and their defense, they're taking the ball away. Special teams, they return. They have a long kickoff return. It feels like every game, at least one. Um, they've got the offense doing just enough on that side of the ball to make things interesting enough for this team. So the Packers are in a really good position. The other thing I want to talk about is when we talked about gifts, one of the things yesterday – that gave me life was we heard about it. You talked, we, we talked about it a million times on this show after the first time these two teams played Jair Alexander basically didn't cover Justin Jefferson for reasons. I'm not hundred percent sure what they are. And I did say last week, I didn't think that the solution was just to staple him to Justin Jefferson and watch him go, but that's essentially what the Packers did. So uh, I was wrong. Mea culpa on that. I was wrong. Uh, let your best corner cover the best receiver. And that is what the Packers did yesterday. But the play that has a bunch of Vikings fans and Paul Allen and just that entire group, Justin Jefferson (laughs) in their feelings is that cousins targets Jefferson deep down the sideline, Jair breaks it up. And then he does the gritty, which is Jefferson's, you know, trademarked celebration after the game. Um, And this wasn't the first time, you know, Jefferson had other instances during the game where like Alexander, if the Packers got a stop on third down and they didn't target Jefferson or something, Alexander was running right toward him and saying something. And Jefferson was begging for flags and he never got one. Uh, He didn't get one and he wanted one. He talked about it after the game, wanting a flag for Alexander doing the gritty, which led me to the question of, and it's funny, no matter what the answer is, because I remember very vividly, Vikings players, Jared Allen, various others doing the belt anytime they sack Aaron Rodgers, which is fine to me. Turnabout is fair play. You make a play against the quarterback. You want to mock a celebration? Go ahead. Um, 
maybe it helps that we've had several, you know, Alex Bozorowski, Dusty Evely, plenty of people have made breakdowns of what happens when you do mock the belt. And usually it doesn't go very well for you. But to me, turnabout is fair play. My question to Vikings fans was if Jair had done the seatbelt celebration or the, like there's that thing that corners do where they put their hands behind their back, basically saying, I've got you clamped up. If he had done that, would they have been complaining about a taunting penalty? Or is it just because they think for some reason Justin Jefferson invented the gritty and that like, it wasn't like Alexander did it across. Like if he had done it, like running across Jefferson's body or something like that. Sure. Maybe that's a taunting fight, but he ran away from him as he was doing it. So that play gave me life. It's a, when the Packers defense is at its best, you know, I think it has a lot to do with, and this is the thing with Alexander. That's that this is who he is. And that was some of the discussion we had earlier in the year is it, it doesn't play that well when things aren't going well, but that's who he is. He is unabashedly confident in everything he's going to do cocky. If you want to use that phrase, whatever, but it was absolutely phenomenal to see that Justin Jefferson, one catch 15 yards. He's a hell of a player, not his best day yesterday, uh, hit an official with his helmet incidentally, but still that did happen. Assault. Um, <laughs> yeah. I feel like he should be suspended the next time the, the Vikings and Packers face off against each other. But um it, it was it was beautiful. It was awesome. Um, I, I loved every second of it. Morley, what was your what was your take on Gritty Gate? Well, it's it's dumb. Like, okay, so <laughs> if 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 Justin Jefferson wants to complain about that, then then he needs to get a taunting call every time he catches a touchdown and does it because there was no different. Jair celebrating a good play, just like J. Jeff celebrates a good touchdown catch. He's not directing it at anyone just because he wants to be sensitive because that's like his thing. But who cares? Like, get over it, man. This is a grown man football. You just got clamped down by a really good, a great corner in Jair's words. Live with it. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like Jair was pulling like a Richard Sherman after the game, talking about how he's mediocre and all this stuff. He called him one of the best receivers in the game after, after the game. He called him one in his, in his top three. You know, called him a great player. And so that's just job being job, man. Like, he's been doing this back since Louisville. And there's the famous clip of him doing, like, the chicken the chicken strut um, against Notre Dame. It's hilarious if you haven't seen it. But he has always been this way. And Jair Alexander, if, if you want to say one thing about that, that kid, he plays his best football in big moments. Going yes. back to his days at Louisville. Picked off Deshaun Watson twice when they played uh, Clemson. Uh, you talk about his coming out party in the NFL was a Sunday night football game against the Rams, the high flying Rams at the time, whenever the bright lights are on, whenever somebody is challenging Jair, he is someone that I want in my corner because he more often than not backs up what he's talking about. And it was just, I mean, it's just a thing of beauty to see. And I'm trying to think, I mean, you'll probably top five, top 10, individual performances we've seen from a non-quarterback in Green Bay in the last five to ten years. That I is – Morley, just, I'll stop you. I think – and I have to bring up his name because it wasn't brought up on the broadcast at all yesterday because he was silent, but I think that was the best defensive performance that Green Bay has had since Zadarius Smith wrecked the Vikings two days before Christmas in 2019. I can't think of another defensive performance yeah. off the top of my head that was as good – that's that's how good – I think that was, and and again, I just wanted to bring up Zadarius Smith because again, I don't did uh, Ross did he play yesterday? I don't I don't remember. 
Uh, Mr. Smith? That one, yeah. Did not show up on the box score, that is for sure. Oops. Yeah, and uh, that, that was interesting. You know, Z, Z I, I'll say this. I loved Z. When Z was in Green Bay, he was my favorite player. Um, and I think he's one of those guys that's going to be like that. But I will tell you, as he fits in so well in Minnesota with some of this, I've been slighted little, like not shaking Adrian Amos's hand before the game, which not a big deal. Amos said he laughed about it because that's just who he is. Dude. Hey, how about, how about like that story coming out about, you know, he didn't shake Adrian Amos's hand. And then during the broadcast, they do a feature on Adrian Amos and like his shoe drive and like how he's given back to the community, essentially being like, Hey, this is a really, really great dude. <laughs> And then yeah. Z wouldn't shake his hand. Oh my God. Cry more. All over, all over a, just a, something that I think is relatively tedious, but I mean, Z feels wrong, whatever. And then right after the game, they get their ass whooped and he's the first one to run off the field. He, he did wave to the crowd on his way out, which I thought was kind of funny too, but I, I don't know. Um, you know, Ross, what was your, what was your take? We went just going back to Alexander, his performance and, and, the Packers really in general, because it wasn't like every route Jefferson had one catch and most of them, most of his routes were run against Alexander, but they did a good job with, you know, Rasul Douglas, uh, Quay Walker was in coverage on him a couple times. I mean, there were some interesting uh, coverage schemes. Most of them, it was just Alexander shadows, but the Packers job uh, as a whole spearheaded by 23 against Justin Jefferson. Yeah. You know, and I watched the tape and, and I, you know, I honestly saw a lot of um, like, if it wasn't jaw, then it was a double team. And and that was fine and good. And you know what, what I think they were trying to do, but yeah, that's, that's sort of what, what the deal was is, is if Jair was not, not in primary coverage, then there was some sort of a bracket or, you know, some, some sort of a very serious amount of attention being paid to Justin Jefferson. And I think part of that, you know, is like Thielen has fallen off. I and I mentioned he looked awful yesterday. Um and, and now they have Hawkinson, of course, but they really leaving the Minnesota Vikings really do struggle to generate a ton of, of offense um if it's not through Justin Jefferson. Dalvin Cook was per- particularly bad uh yesterday and and you know unproductive and, and I think a lot of that certainly has to do with okay, how many, you know, uh, how many offensive linemen that can actually do something, play for the Vikings right now? And I, I don't think the answer is a ton. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, 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 that seemed to be finally sound strategy from Joe Barry, who's a person we've been, you know, asking for sound strategy for most of the season. Yeah. And I want to, and I'm as a show, this show collectively has given a lot of vitriol his direction. I do want to, and granted your comeback to me can be like, well, it was obvious of what you should do when you have a player like that. And sure, that's fine. Um, But I do want to throw some flowers when, when you blame the guy for everything that goes wrong ever. And the coordinator, I always say, whether it's offense or defense is an easy target um, for just about anything, but they gave up three points while the game was in the balance and those three points were basically given up by a block punt, like the Packers feasibly their starting unit pitched a shutout yesterday against Ross. Like you said, they have a, they have an offense that struggles to generate any kind of consistency when Justin Jefferson is not catching 10 passes for 140 yards and two touchdowns. Like that is hard. Adam Thielen, not the same player. 
TJ Hawkinson is as average as average gets, which is actually good at the tight end position, but it's not like he's this dynamic playmaker. Dalvin cook is still good, but I think he's lost a step from his best days, which still, again, makes him a good player, but he's not a great player like he used to be. So I just think that needs to be acknowledged that he went well, guys, the Packers are eight and eight. They win one game. They are in the playoffs. What I want to go through is, like I said, we did after they lost to Philadelphia that dropped them to four and eight and it really, and they gave up 700 yards rushing and, and Jordan love had to play. And we weren't sure if Rogers was going to be able to play against Chicago and just all that kind of stuff. It, it just felt like, again, when not, if this team was going to have the nail put in their coffin. And we were talking about when, you know, does Jordan love like the debate we were having on this show was, do the Packers let Rogers start this game against Detroit because it could be a goodbye kind of thing instead of just handing the keys to Jordan Love and, and running from there. That's not a debate anymore. Jordan Love is not starting on Sunday. He will not start a game barring injury for the Packers this season. But what I do want to go through is they've won four games in a row. They beat the bears, which they always do. They beat the Rams with a skeleton crew as a home game on a Monday night football game. And then they went and they beat uh, Miami and Miami. And obviously after the first two games, you could put the asterisk of, well, those two teams are terrible and they are, but then Miami was a good team, but then you kind of had this, another thought, like after the game Tua Tagovailoa played with a concussion was in there, was in the concussion protocol after the game was over, you know, whatever way you want to slice that. So then you're like, okay, did they really play that well? And then they blow out the Vikings yesterday. They score a touchdown on offense, defense, and special teams. I remember a clip from the 96 Packers Super Bowl. Uh, I can't remember who it was that said that, but he says, you can't ask for more than that. It's perfect. Um, I, what I want to know from you guys is, and you cannot say Christian Watson, because this is the Christian Watson show, as we've talked about. But Jacob Morley, what player do you think is perhaps the biggest catalyst of, or you can even say coach if you want to go that route, but what is the biggest catalyst not named Christian Watson for this turnaround that has taken place in the last four weeks? Bakhtiari. I think if it's not Christian Watson, because what's really interesting, and I don't mean to go off on a tangent, but what's really interesting is this win streak, this four-game win streak, it doesn't really have anything to do with Aaron Rodgers playing better. Because he still is not at his, he's still not at his MVP A plus level. Like he's still playing very average, average quarterbacking in the NFL. Is that fair to say? And so, like, okay, so how are they getting wins? And I think they're doing it collectively. But I think the one thing you can really point to, and and I mean Bakhtiari because I know he missed the last couple games, so that's actually a terrible answer. But what the, what I was trying to get to, I guess, is just the offensive line play has been so much better, and. I think you can look at two guys. Bakhtiari is obviously one of them. Elton Jenkins is back to his old self. Like, if you have, if if I mean, he's he's kicking people's asses out there again, and he's really settled back in at left guard and really solidified that. Another name, I guess, you could throw out there is Zach Tom, being able to come in and play at a very high level at both tackle spots um, when they're dealing with the injuries with Bakhtiari. But I think as a whole, what's really solidified this offense is well. I mean, the answer is Christian Watson. Like, so I won't go down that road, but just what he does for the offense is, is, has been profound. But you pair that with the way this offensive line has really been able to gel, um, been able to give Rodgers more time, been able to do a pretty decent job of run blocking. Um, and, and I would say the offensive coaching staff as well, putting, putting those offensive linemen in positions 
to be successful because they're not road graders. None of them really are outside of like Elton. Um, so being able to let those guys kind of be able to get out in space to get to the second and third level and be really good athletes, uh, that's the coaching staff, you know, so you got to give them credit too. But I think it all centers around the big guys up front. And then, I mean, obviously the defensive side of the, of the ball has been phenomenal. They've given up, they've given up no important touchdowns in the second half in the last four games. The two touchdowns they've given up were garbage time touchdowns. Kirk Cousins and Nick Mullins when the game was over. Corey Ballantyne was was beat for one of those two touchdowns. It's, and that says quite a bit on um, what they've been able to do on that side of the ball. So uh, sorry to cop out and not give you a one-person answer because I don't think there is just one person. Um, would love to hear Ross's thoughts on this, though, too. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate – isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, you know, Keyshawn Nixon's a big one. Because um, I, I think, you know, there's some scary times. You lose a guy like Eric Stokes. I don't think Eric Stokes is having the kind of sophomore season he probably would wanted to. But you lose a guy like Eric Stokes, and all of a sudden you bench Darnell Savage, and it's like, boy, this secondary looks a lot different than it was you know, planning on looking and Keyshawn Nixon's ability to not get targeted. I mean, I, I think he's, and we saw a little bit of it yesterday, in my opinion, from a coverage standpoint, he's a notch above Chandon at nickel. Like I, I think that's a noticeable upgrade and uh, his ability to not, you know, get embarrassed when he is playing defense and then just, completely be electric as a kick returner uh i i think that's huge um as well as is zach tom i think that's a, a really big deal you know uh, i i think um the ability to protect he's not a road grader but just the ability to kind of kind of no matter what happens be fine and, and and even they were able to survive a you know no bakhtiari no yosh situation which 
I, I can guarantee you doesn't happen without Zach Tom. You know, if it's Elton Jenkins kicking out to left tackle and, uh, you know, Elton Royce at, Newman. right, Royce at right. If you got Elton at left tackle and Royce at right and Jake Hansen playing right guard, like just the you're, – you're moving around deck chairs on the Titanic at that point. I, I just don't think it would work out. But, yeah, um, the, the solidification of the offensive line is a huge deal. And the, the defense has to be lauded. I mean, you you, you got to – Give credit where credit is due as much as you were, you know, grossed out by what was going on with, with Joe Barry before. You you have to just look at, you know, what the Packers defense has done in, in – and I think not only just in these last four weeks, but you can even parse it. I mean, we've talked about – you know, some of it, but man, um, they really just gave up three, you know, to, to the Vikings and, and you can start talking yourself into, uh, you know, some of that, like they gave up 12 to the Rams. They gave up 19 to the bears. They, they're just, they're playing well. <laughs> they're, they're playing really, really well. And you might've, You know, you might. Here's here's a question I have for, for you, Ross. Someone, yeah, and I know you. You watch the all. Bit. You watch the all twenty two today. You do that every. You know, you do that every week. And if you had to point to, you know, so like I think it's obvious that the defense is playing better, but why? You know, it's just, it's it's essentially the same cast of characters we had the first, you know, half of the season minus their best player on defense. How are they playing so much better right now? Um, I think continuity is a big deal. Uh, you are seeing a secondary and a front seven that doesn't look like they just met each other. They It does happen. In fact, I think I, I pointed that out in one of the big plays that the Dolphins had, but I think Jair understands how to play with Keyshawn Nixon and, and, and Rudy Ford. Um, I think, you know, some of the, the, the Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker kind of miscommunications that were happening earlier in the season aren't happening. Although boy, did they leave the middle of the field open yesterday? Uh, like I said, they, they only gave up three real points. So um you know, what are you – and turnovers, man. That and, and, and that can be perceived as luck, I guess, you know. Uh, it is, but, but it, it is, but it isn't. They're taking like, care of the football, too, though, on offense as well. I mean, they they are. Yeah, but when you talk about the defense, too, like, Ross, you're talking about continuity and, like, the first game against Minnesota, sure, maybe the game plan wasn't the greatest, but they talked about communication errors and breakdowns and just all that – the old stuff from, like, the Dom Capers days that we heard about all the time. Those aren't as prevalent now. So when it's not as prevalent, you've got players in better positions to make plays on things like that as well. So, I mean, yeah, there's some luck involved with it. Like TJ Slayton getting his hand on a pass and tipping it in the air. That's him making a play, but it is also kind of lucky that the ball goes right to Adrian Amos. There was a play where I think Kirk Cousins fumbled, but it bounced like right to Dalvin Cook. That's an example of one that could be a lucky bounce here or there. 
Um, but I mean, yeah, I think the defense, you know, we talked about a lot of stuff going on with this team over this winning streak. I think that has been their strongest unit over the last four weeks. And granted, you know, there's, there's some bad offenses that they've played in that Chicago is Chicago completed like seven. I think, um, my buddy, that's a bears guy told me that the garbage time fixed a few things, but like Amon Ross St. Brown had more catches yesterday than the bears had completions. Like Justin Fields, he might be good. And there's a lot of like national accounts that gas him up anytime he runs for a first down or makes one throw throughout the course of the game, but their passing offense. And some of this is because of him is atrocious and maybe the worst in the NFL. The Rams were playing Baker Mayfield who had been there for 10 minutes Tua, they had some weapons and the, and the pass defense that day admittedly was not very good. Um, when you have the other team has like 300 yards passing on nine completions or something like that. They took the ball away. They did what they needed to do. Sure. But it wasn't great yesterday. It was really good against an offense that has been good. They limited the second best receiver in the NFL for my money's worth uh, with Devonte Adams, of course, still reigning as the best receiver in football. But, you know, if you guys want to talk about what I think is most responsible, obviously, you know, players play and coaches coach. Uh, that being said, I do want to throw some flowers now to Matt LaFleur because when Matt LaFleur got here in 2019, the team was broken and then everything from then just went right until the playoffs, obviously, but they never had extended runs of losing. This year was the first year LaFleur had ever lost back-to-back games. And then they did that quite a bit. They lost seven of eight. They lost five in a row. And at four and eight with a quarterback that is playing out the last part of his career, maybe not going to be in green Bay, you know, for the foreseeable future, who knows that's, I mean, that's a long story, but there's things that these are things that Lafleur is contending with as we work through everything to be able to keep this team together at four and eight. And then also not just at four and eight, but four and eight and down by two possessions in on the road, in the not greatest of weather in Chicago, like it would be very easy for this Packers team to have quit at that point and just said, okay, forget it. It's not meant to be. We're going to be four and nine. We're going to lose to the bears, which we never do. And that just kind of tells you what state we're in. What do the Packers do? They came back and they won the game. And then they kind of got on a roll from there. They beat the Rams. They beat the, they beat the dolphins. And then they blow out the Vikings as like a culmination of getting them a chance now to be win and in. And for, you know, Matt LaFleur, ever since he's taken this job, there's always been questions about, well, is it him or is it that he's coaching a Hall of Fame quarterback and they've got Devontae and and blah, 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 blah. And at this point, when they were three and six, and then when they were four and eight, some of those questions I think were at least somewhat fair. Not entirely, because obviously when you win 39 games in three seasons, that don't happen by accident. But some of those questions started to become at least a little more fair. And LaFleur's done a really good job of keeping this team together without a unit that's truly dominant. Like the offense isn't scoring 40 a game and they're not like, they still have moments where things just look so difficult to move the ball up and down the field. You know, Morley, you talked about it like yesterday. It, this wasn't, this isn't 2016 run the table where Rogers just goes supernova and they score every time they touch it. And he's out of his mind getting himself into the MVP conversation. That's not what this is. They're getting contributions from all over the place. Ross talked about Keyshawn Nixon emerging, but I think that that steadiness that LaFleur has and has displayed this year, I think you have to feel if you're a Packers fan 
very good about who your franchise is in the hands of for the short term, meaning the re- even just the rest of this season and who knows how this season is going to end and the, the post Aaron Rodgers era, which who knows when that's going to be, that could be next season. That could be three years from now. I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know what Aaron Rodgers wants to do at this point of his career, but I think you feel good about the fact that Matt LaFleur is going to be the head coach of this team. And I think he deserves a lot of credit. Um, and there was plenty of blame to go around and he certainly deserved a piece of that pie when the team was three and six and then four and eight. But I think he's done a really good job of keeping this team together and moving them forward. And that's not, like I kind of mentioned, that's not an easy thing to do. You know, losing Ross, you always say this, losing is an infectious disease. And there's plenty of pressure on the outside of things to say like, well, just, you know, Nick Wright today was talking about how the Packers should have just handed the keys to Jordan Love. And now they're just getting into the playoffs to get their teeth kicked in by the 49ers. And that may very well happen but you cannot punt on a season while there's still hope as feeble as that hope may appear at that time. And like I said, Rogers was pointing at the three of us because the three of us certainly thought they were not going to be in this position. And, and who knows, you know, with the NFC and the nature of what it is, the Eagles have lost two games in a row. Dallas is Dallas. Tampa Bay stinks. San Francisco starting Brock Purdy and gave up 30, 34 points yesterday to Jarrett Stidham. The Packers just blew the doors off the Vikings. And then it's the Giants a team that Green Bay was up two scores on at one point when they played them earlier this year. So there's a lot to digest with this team, but I certainly think LaFleur deserves a a really good share of credit for what they've been able to do. Um, And I think you could even argue if they make the playoffs, you could argue this was his best coaching job of the four seasons since he's been here. Uh, Maybe that's not right, but you can argue it. And that is crazy to think about considering where everything has been. Let's look ahead real quick. The Packers are going to play the Lions. The game is on Sunday night football. Uh, if the Packers win, they are in. The Lions will know as that game starts whether or not they have an opportunity to play uh, for a spot in the playoffs. If Seattle wins against the Rams earlier in the day, the Lions are done. If Seattle loses, then it is win and in for both teams. Uh, and I do see today, and, and I kind of understand it, but the talk of a you know competitive disadvantage for the Lions, a competitive advantage for the Packers, all that good stuff. What I'll say is every league ever says that they don't favor big teams, big markets, big stars, big whatever. And they all lie. That's that's just how it is. Like that's that that's the game that we play. And if Aaron Rodgers played for the Seahawks instead of the Packers and the Packers were in that situation, these roles would be flipped. That's just the way that things go. And might I add, that's what we want to see. That's we want to see Aaron Rodgers, not just Packers fans, football fans in general. The NFL right. that's is why, doing That's this. why Mahomes is playing on Saturday in a standalone Absolutely. spot. And I want to watch that game, and I want to see it. You know, like So the people that want to cry and, and moan about that are probably Vikings fans. But, uh, I mean, th- this is what we want. This is what the people want. Like, I don't understand how you'd be upset about it. The only competitive advantage that's, that is happening is the fact that that um, Jared Goff is Goff awful. That was a bad pun. Wow. God awful. God awful in the cold. Yes. And it's going to be, it's going to be colder at night. Right. So that is, that's not nothing that um, they're going to be playing, you know, un- under the moon, right. Again, in a, in Lambeau field when it's cold and Jared Goff has historically been terrible. In the cold yeah, the, the lasting image I have of Jared Goff in a game like this one is in 2018, the Rams were the 
the Rams and the bears were playing and the winner got like the inside track to the two seed or something like that, I think. And it was a big game. I just remember that. And that bears defense ate him and golf looked like he had no interest in being there. Now it's not going to be as cold on Sunday night as it was then. Uh, the lions certainly do have some things. Uh, Matt LaFleur said today, they might have the best offensive line in the league. He said them in Philly might be the top two offensive lines in the league. Uh, the Packers, there's certainly something to exploit there. The Packers rushing defense, still not great, uh, but the Lions defense isn't very good either. And the Packers offense uh, certainly has some opportunities and they had them. Uh, the, you know, the game they played earlier in the year, the Packers moved the ball. The problem was Aaron Rodgers played maybe his worst game <laughs> as the Packers starting quarterback on that particular day. But Ross, we talked about this last week saying that if Green Bay had beaten Minnesota and it was winning in against Detroit, just the confidence level we would feel. I want to see if that is still the way that you feel like what you said, it was like a six that they could make the playoffs last week. What is that meter at now between one and 10? I mean, I'm at a nine. Yeah. Um, I, I think they're going to, I mean, they're four and a half point favorites. It's a wider margin than they were favored over uh, Minnesota, I, I think. And, and, and you can view this as a favor by the NFL or not. And I look, I, I know what everybody's opinion is of David, Dan Campbell. Um, I like him. I don't think he's ever going to win a Super Bowl. I, I, I think he has. Uh, I'm coming. This is coming from a Bulls fan. I think he might have some Thibodeau potential, where his his bit might get old. Mm-hmm. Um, that level of intensity may not work with professional football players for five, six, seven, eight seasons. Um, but right now, everybody's bought in. That's for darn sure. And. Um, I think he, his long-term role in the NFL, in my opinion, is probably as a fiery coordinator, uh, under kind of a calmer head coach, (laughs) potentially. No, dude, here, this is Dan Campbell's five-year plan. Imagine Dan Campbell recruiting in big 10 country. Imagine that man coming in to these corn fed kids living rooms and talking to parents like. I think Dan Campbell in the Big Ten is is immaculate. I think, hey, he might be the uh, Wolverines' next head coach after uh, Jim Lee's Stop. from Denver, right, Stop. Jacob? No, Jim Harbaugh is not going anywhere. So <laughs> these this this has existed every year since he's come back. But that's but fine. hypothetically, <laughs> hypothetically, if he did leave, Dan Campbell would be an all right hire, right? You like that? He's a I Texas A and M boy, though. I don't know about the Big Ten. Yeah, and I'm not going to a place where Jim Harbaugh is not Michigan's head coach. But this is not a Michigan Wolverines podcast. It's a Packers podcast. And I did ask what the confidence level was. Ross said nine. I'm at nine and a half. And the only reason it's not a 10 is because the game has to be played on the field. And it is feasibly possible that the Lions could win the game. I just, the way this team has won the last four. And I know, like I said, it's not Supernova Rodgers. It hasn't been the prettiest. It hasn't been the most aesthetically pleasing. But... They've won all those games and they've won games against teams that have better records than them. And you could say maybe even are better than they are. Vikings fans will certainly tell you that the, they're better than the Packers and, and maybe they're wrong. They probably are. I would, <laughs> I would certainly argue that they are, but they have the better record. Uh, Detroit doesn't have a better record. It's Jared Goff in the cold. The lions defense is not good. And the last time these two teams played, the two teams were so drastically different. Christian Watson got injured during the course of the game. He, he wasn't, this version of Christian Watson yet Romeo Dobbs got hurt on the first play of the game. The Packers threw a throwback to David Bakhtiari where Rogers just left the ball way, way short. Rogers threw three picks in that game. 
that's not something I can bank on happening again. I certainly don't think. And on the other side too, that, you know, the lions certainly have things in their favor. Jameson Williams didn't play against the Packers. Um, They've got, you know, they were just kind of working off. I don't remember if TJ Hawkinson had been traded yet or not. Um, But either way, like, you know, the tight end isn't really a huge part of their offense anyway, although in the red zone, it certainly is. Um, But I think the Packers, they're just in a really good position. It's at home. If this game was in Detroit, I might feel a little differently just because the Packers, even when they're good, seem to struggle in that building for, for whatever the reason is. They've got both of their tackles, which I think is a big deal against Aiden Hutchinson and company uh, coming in here, protecting Rodgers being a paramount on that particular thing. It's just, it's all lined up. And I know if the Packers win this game and then they go and they lose to San Francisco, there will be people saying, well, we could have just lost and done all this. And But I'm sorry. I know Ross has said this a bunch, but I'm going to echo the sentiments. Yes, this is still an accomplishment. No, it's not the accomplishment. Like they're not going to hang a banner for winning five in a row, making the playoffs and finishing what would be nine and nine in this scenario. But it does matter that this team learned how to climb out of a hole. Guys like Watson and Dobbs and players that are on the scene that have never experienced winning the way the Packers have the last couple of years and potentially putting together, like, you know, learning from some of the mistakes they made early in the year, they found a few things as we went through the course of the year and putting a whole off season now, after you've seen what Watson can do, what this, what these guys in the running game can do a whole year removed from Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari's injury issues and everything like that. But I do think that it does matter and it will be disappointing um, pretty largely in my opinion, if the Packers lose on Sunday, because then it's like, well, you did all that then to just not finish the deal, which Maybe that would be fitting for this year's team, but I just don't think it is. Um, I think tanking is for losers. I call this the trust the process era of sports fandom, which is like the acceptance of losing. Um, You know, I got friends in Chicago now that are rooting for the team to lose a lot and, and get the number one pick. And I'm sorry, but getting the number one pick is not a good thing. Um, Especially when you're trying to establish a new program, like Matt Eberflus, when they look up next season, the record for the bears under Eberflus and polls is going to be three and 14. That's something they have to figure out a way to dig out of. That's a lot. And I am a believer just like Ross's losing begats more losing. So Morley real quick, what's your, what's your take on Sunday's game? What's your Ross is at a nine and I'm at a nine and a half. Are you just going to go full 10 or are you going to tell us you're at like a two? Cause Jordan loves not starting Packers by 100 baby Packers <laughs> by 100. Dude, they're not going to lose. I mean, they could lose. They could lose this game because like you said, that would be what a fitting end to this season to just get our hopes up one last time to have our hearts ripped out. Right. But I just historically the Packers beat the lions. The game is in Lambeau. It's going to be cold. They're a dome team. Everything's on the line. I just, man, I just don't see it happening. I just don't see it happening. How, how are the Lions going to win this game? It would be a very large role reversal, too, because the Lions, since 1957, don't win games like this. And in the regular season, it's rare, especially under Matt LaFleur, in the regular season that the Packers lose big games. You know, you look at all the ones, that the, other than the first year when they got bombed by San Francisco. But other than that, they've pretty much won every other big game on their schedule. Regular yeah, season. I wise. just don't see don't see it happening. Uh Packers are going to probably play 
uh, you know, they're going to be playing on wild card weekend. Like that's my expectation at this point. And I think that's where a lot of us are. And I think, you know, as long as the Packers can slow down the run game of Detroit, I think they're going to be able to put points up against them. And uh, it's going to get, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be, it's not going to be a track meet uh, just because I think Green Bay can outpace them. And I think the, the, the way Green Bay has been, been getting turnovers recently it is almost as if all the bad luck that happened really for this team the first eight, nine weeks, it's all getting it's all catching up right now. I mean, the ball is bouncing their way. Things are happening for this team left and right, not just within the not just within the white lines of their games, but for them to be in this position, several things have had to go their, their way, you know, around the league. And it just it has you know, over and over again, the last few weeks. So, you know, this is the last, this is the cherry on top and it's, it's a, it's a division game. And uh, it's, you know, they keep saying it's not the same old lions. We'll see. We will see. Yeah, we will. And we'll find out Sunday night, seven twenty, from Lambeau field is the kickoff time Sunday night football, a Mike Tarico, Chris Collinsworth uh, product. If you guys are interested in stuff like that, uh, but the Packers win 41 to three uh, to, Quote my co-host Ross Uglum, 41 to three over the Minnesota Vikings. We refuse to acknowledge the two garbage time touchdowns uh, over the Vikings. They get to eight and eight and have a chance now to, to do something that I, I know everybody on this show didn't think they had a chance to do over the last couple of weeks. So we are more than happy to eat that crow. If you guys want to send some of the crow our way, if you always believed, uh, then I suppose that's your prerogative to do so. Uh, send us your, your crow on Twitter. You can follow me. I'm at Jacob Westendorf. You can follow Morley. He's at Jacob Morley. Send him happy birthday wishes uh, and everything like that. And you can follow Ross. He's at Ross Uglum over at Pack Report. Check out some of the film clips that he had today as the Packers got uh, another big win and, and now have a chance to win it in. We will be back next week, hopefully previewing a playoff game against what will likely be the San Francisco 49ers. It's possible they can play, what, the Eagles, the Cowboys, the 49ers, or the, the Vikings are out, right? They can't, Green Bay can't play Minnesota. Is that right? No, they can I can. Okay, that's uh, San Francisco loses, right? Yeah, San Vikings win. Vikings win. Packers win. Eagles lose. Dallas loses. Oh, there you go. okay. So that's like probably go. the least likely of the scenarios. But They're not going to play. They're not going to play Minnesota. They- no. So it'll likely be. Um, it'll likely be San Francisco, San, but which we'll, is really too bad because Minnesota stinks. Yeah. Oh yeah. I would be, that would be another one of those things where like green Bay would be either be like favored or Minnesota would be favored by like one. And we'd have to hear the disrespect guard for the entire week. And then green Bay would win by a bunch again uh, in that stupid stadium with that stupid horn. But that is for another time. Uh, The Vikings are not winning a playoff game. Go ahead and write that down. If you guys want something to make fun of me for later, if it does happen, but the Packers might be playing in one. We'll be back to preview that next week. Thank you guys for listening. And we'll talk again next week.